0: Stay tuned. I'm here with the coach, job uh, Brett.
1: And I'm here with the vet and a bunch of other vets with Mr. Ian Griffin.
0: We got you surrounded, my friend. I'm learning so much surrounded.
1: by being all these heroes.
0: You know. <laughs> so, so this is crazy. So I, let me introduce everybody here. And uh, Yeah, so up in the upper left, and I'm going to try to point that way, <laughs> that way. Over here, you're up there, Chavarria. So Rebecca Chavaria is up here, and uh, she's from California. She was a soldier of mine. She's an entrepreneur, and everybody hold your ears. She's got six children, and she's an entrepreneur. What the heck? <laughs> so here we go. What do we got, Chavaria? <laughs> Rebecca, excuse me, Rebecca. So,
2: so I have Alejandro on the far left, uh, Naomi, I have Natalia, Gustavo, Sebastian, and the baby is Noelia. And me? Yes, and you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That is awesome. So it's it's good to have you on here. Hey, Hey, young lady. Say hi. Hi. (laughs) How are you? This is awesome. So uh, we, we got her, and I had the opportunity to serve with her in OIF2. Phenomenal soldier, one of the best soldiers I've ever been around in my career. And... We're gonna keep waving at you, but now I gotta I gotta point up that way to Alexander Oliveira Rodriguez who I served with in Afghanistan. And uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about something here, Alexander because I want to throw something up as you as you talk here.
3: All right, my name is Alexander Olivieri. I am married. I have four kids. I don't have six I got four and I'm also <laughs> an entrepreneur as well.
0: Yes, so Alexander is open uh, has a business in the textile industry in Virginia, but he just got a place where they're building a place where he can put his textile industry. He can put a restaurant, a Puerto Rican restaurant, and he can lease a couple places out as well. So, uh, he's busy to say the least. And now the last person I got over here is Ishmael Rodriguez, who is a former mentor of mine. I served in a subordinate unit for him. Great. Sergeant major. And he's for Helen from Tyler, excuse me, Austin, Texas. Am I right? And go ahead Ishmael what do we got here
4: well uh, again my name is Ishmael Rodriguez uh, uh, of course I know Ian for uh, quite a few years now um, I think there was a, a, a photo somewhere uh, no. who is that guy No. oh my <laughs> goodness goodness gracious holy what a mug
0: um, no, nobody wanted to go <laughs> talk to him he looked mean
4: there was. There should have been another one I, 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 but anyways a, there you go what, um the story behind this one is, and and, and why it's uh, important to me, is that uh, during battlefield circulation, uh, I met this first son here, and uh, uh, he lets me know that his his daughter was a champion or uh, steer roper. I, I don't I don't I don't have it exactly right. I know that. Um, so I told him I was I was a Puerto Rican, but I was a transplanted Puerto Rican. I'm now a, a a Texan, and he told me that uh, you you're not truly a Texan until you you rope a steer. So he brought <laughs> that thing out, and uh, and I roped my steer. He so he baptized me uh, officially Texan at that point.
0: Well, welcome to Texas, Ishmael. Oh my gosh, I like that right there. I don't think I'm a Texan. I didn't ever rope the steer. Oh, we might have problems here. <laughs> oh, so Coach, we got a crew on tonight. What do you think?
1: Man, I love this. Like I said before, just a week or so ago, we have all the military people on. It's one of the things that I always regretted was not getting into military at an early age. But one of the things that I have learned as being a history teacher and a government teacher is how important that you guys are not only for our freedom, but also for the country and for our protection. And I think some of the heroes that we really have in our country are you guys. I think we, we prop up our athletes and, and, and musicians. But without you guys, there's 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 none of the things that we get to debate. There's none of the things that we get to talk about, and so I always learn so much more from you guys than we than I actually you know have learned even in school. So it's great to have this this type of panel. It's also great to be around all these great Americans, as I say. So I, we, the first topic tonight is it's pretty. I, I want to give a little background real quick as we do this because I don't know if a lot of people know, but school board members. Uh, in the state of texas are elected and so we actually have school actually ran for school board one time in my in my uh, local district and lost uh but but you have it's just like you run for it so when we started seeing all these things on tv with critical race theory and other other issues that come up it's not uncommon for people to go voice their opinion at a school board meeting just like when i was on the city council in white house planning and zoning people would come and voice their Opinions at those meetings because that's what the citizens that elect you—that's what they do. So when I first heard that Merrick Garland was getting involved in this, I was a little bit taken aback because this is this is the people that you should want to speak because those are the people that elected you to school board. So the question that we have, and I'll start with Alexander first, is: Do you agree with Department of Justice being involved in local school board stuff with the parents at all? Because some of the background of this is what, what our kids are being taught, should it be up to the parents to be involved? Or should we just throw our hands up and say, hey, look, we pay you guys as teachers. You teach them what you want to teach them. So I, I want to throw this to Alexander and then go to go over to Ishmael and then end with Rebecca. But I think this is this is a very slippery slope when we say parents shouldn't be involved or should step back and let educators educate um yes
3: and no there are some par- parents that are well educated and uh and uh they have good input but there's a lot of parents that they're a little bit out there and they might have the right uh, wish but definitely not the the right material you know so, you know, like you were saying, definitely let the people who is, they have a degree, they've, they've been doing this for years, you know, they are in touch with also also the current changes in society to determine, you know, what is good to teach or not, because we are an evolving society, you know, we cannot be teaching uh, the same thing that we were teaching in, in 1970. You know, we have evolved, you know, tremendously from that era to now. You know, there's more technology. There's been a lot of changes. Uh, like, for example, uh, something as simple as uh, gay rights, you know, back there was not tolerated. Now we're more tolerant that. And even though I don't think it should be a topic per se, but we do need to make sure that everybody knows that at the end of the day, we are humans. We all need to learn to respect each other, regardless of their decisions, regardless of their, you know, desires, you know, because at the end of the day, that's their own personal thing. So uh, I understand parents, they want to uh, voice their opinion, and that's fine. You know, at the end of the day, you know, like you say, they were voted in, so they're supposed to work for the people. But uh, what I was reading is that some people were t- t- taking a little bit to the extreme, you know, making threats and you know, and that nature. The same, you know, it, it's not just with the material that's been teaching in the schools. It's also about the face mask situation and stuff like that. And they were taking it a little too personal in a matter of there was actually some cases where there was assault, and to some of the, the board members. Uh, a death threats and stuff like that. And that's just a little bit out there. That is just way too much for what it needs to actually happen. And that is not right. conducive to, it's not helpful. It, it doesn't help the situation. It just ag- aggravates the health, the situation. And it's going to get to a point that, okay, we're not going to let the parents voice their opinions. If this is what's going to continue to happen.
1: Sure. And Ishmael, before I before I send it over to you, I think one of the things that I, I should have clarified is, yes, we need to make sure that the evolution of society is something that we take in consideration, not only in education, but also just in our society. But I think one of the things that we were worried about is the indoctrination. Is it, And that's if you're going to indoctrinate a certain uh, age group of kids uh, or any kids at all that are minors with your personal belief of an ideology of, say, you know, leftism or far-rightism or... or, or, far rightism or critical race theory or or anything that that could be considered, um, uh, you know, controversial is is the classroom at a junior high or high school the place for that? Or is that actually something that we should wait till they're a little bit older, like a college situation where they can just debate, they can have their own opinion. So I do think that one of the things that I do like, I do love parents being involved. But Alexander, I agree with you. There has to be a limit of what they can actually do. You shouldn't be hateful, shouldn't be disrespectful. And the parents should also leave their, their personal opinions out of, of things also out of the argument and just give an opinion of what they think is best for their child. So, Ishmael, I think I should have clarified that a little bit for Alexander, but I wanted to do that for you. So please give me your opinion on it, because I love hearing the different opinions. Yes. Um, uh, first of all, good evening to all.
4: Um, I would like to thank you and, and uh, the coach and the vet uh, for extending this invitation invitation in. in in tonight's discussion, uh, I'm really, really humbled. Um, I I guess I have to preface by saying that I believe that we are the sum of our experiences and we all have our biases. And in this case, uh, mine are that all three of my children are educators. Uh, I know they don't dictate policy and just execute within the guidance and the laws uh, and I don't think they should be threatened or assaulted while executing their duties. Um, with that being said, I, I acknowledge that I'm going to oversimplify this, but whenever there are violent threats, which nowadays cannot be taken lightly, uh, and or actual physical uh, altercations, as uh, Alexander stated, and local law enforcement cannot or do not deal with it, then um, I'm, I'm about whatever it takes. And if it takes the DOJ jumping in, um, I'm all for it uh, because we cannot allow that to happen. We cannot allow that to take place in, in, in our schools. Um, whatever it takes to ensure that you know our underpaid who work so hard at educating our children are protected and are unencumbered Uh, in the execution of their responsibilities and the scope of their work. Um, And plus, we must must remember and not be detracted from the fact that um, um, if it violates a law, if it's some type of crime, uh, then it must be addressed. And uh, again, if it takes the DOJ, then so be it. Uh, Now, with that being said, again, I want to talk about from the standpoint of an actively engaged and involved grandparent uh, with my grandchildren in school, uh, if something is being taught to them, uh, to my, my grandchildren that my my daughter deems to be in conflict with her morals, her home teachings, and the raising of her children, uh, then we will address it and, and I'll probably be emphatic about it But one thing I will most certainly not do is I will not threaten anybody. I will not assault anybody. So I think it's about order. It's about following the law. It's about morals. It's about human decency. And many people quite frankly, uh, you know, have a sense of entitlement. And and there, there are a lot of people that are morally deficient and these are just ills of our society that bring about these these situations.
1: Absolutely. And I love the way that you said that because we want to be involved, but we have to be respectful doing it. And you know, I'm an educator, and um, you know I've been teaching now for about seven years. and but in the last few years, I've been in the in the uh, the prison system, but before that, I was in the public school, and we wanted, and I we really, most teachers, Love the engagement of parents because we always said we wish more parents were involved, but you can be involved in a positive way or you can be involved in a negative way. And I think the school boards, what they're doing is they're they have they have a very tricky place that they have to stay. Yes, we want to take your input, but in reality, they have to. There's a standard that they're trying to follow, not just for the kids, but also not for an individual kid or an individual family, but also a standard of all. And like Alexander brought up, we're in a very different time now with the diversity of our school districts being in the way that they are. It's not 70, 75 percent white and everybody's just sprinkled in. The last school district I was in is 53 percent Hispanic, 38 percent African-American, 11 percent white. So that's a totally different dynamic do we teach different to that or do we teach the old way is the discussion that needs to, to, to be had. So Rebecca, I'm not meaning to take up your time. I just wanted to clarify a little bit of that. So what do you think about them getting involved in this whole, whole situation?
2: Um, so I definitely agree with, um, with everything. Everybody has said, I don't condone violence on any elected official and um not even the current one that's the governor of my state right now. (laughs) But um, I do think that if somebody is not doing a job, then they should, people should voice their opinions. They work for us. We elect them to represent the majority of the people, right? Because if there's me and my neighbor and everybody in the school running down the school board, no, we elect somebody that will be a representative for us. And if they're not doing the job, then they need to go. Um, As far as going with, I I think that we should have a say in what our children are being taught. There is, like uh, he said, there is some immoral things happening, Just and people's views and opinions and even the way that they're brought up at home are completely different. So do I want somebody forcing their beliefs on my children versus the way that I raise them at home. Um, I strongly agree that there should be, of course, a separation of state and church, like reading, arithmetics, all of that, yes, do your job, do what you need to do, but when it comes to your opinions on my child, I think you should keep them to yourself, um, especially if it's a hot topic, such as religion or politics, etc. Um I also do believe, though, that It does take different people to influence a certain way of thinking, thinking outside the box. I'm a first generation. I have a bachelor's degree and two master's degree, as well as being an entrepreneur and an author. Um, Had I not had different influences in my life, I might have been a different person. Um, But where do we draw the line is that if you have a favorite teacher, you'll more likely say, hey, you know, Mrs. Smith recommended this book or Miss Rodriguez you know, introduce me enchiladas. Like, you know, there's, there's so much that you can learn the diversity from people. So it's, absolutely as a parent, I want them to learn that, but also as a mother, I want them, they're my little hens, you know,
1: right. So it's Vette, like, where do we draw that line? And vet, this is one of those, this is one of those issues where do you want your kids to be prepared for the real world of diversity Or like Rebecca said, I have a certain moral morality that I have at home that I want my kids to stay with. And she said something I didn't think about earlier before this is I don't want someone else teaching my kids something different. I want my kids to I'm probably paraphrasing, but I want my kids to learn what they learn at home. But in other ways, other people look at that as, hey, you're pushing your ideology on someone else if you want the the school to teach only a certain way too. So I think it's a real touchy subject here. And I don't think we actually touched to what you wanted this topic to be about when it came to exactly the school board and the DOJ and critical race theory or, or something specific, but this is what this is about. This is a very touchy, tricky situation because Alexander said something I didn't even think about. And he immediately just, it got my head spinning is, that we are, we are an evolving country and an evolving society where things that when we were in school that were taboo that you didn't even talk about or see is the norm now. Now, we can look at it two ways and go, hey, our country's going to hell in a handbasket or our country is progressing. So it depends on how you, you look at that. But we have a very diverse United States of America and we have to learn how to live with everybody or we're going to keep having this division vet. So I really want to hear what you have to say on this.
0: So I I took some notes as as people were talking and I'm not, they're not pinpointing anything, but some things that just came in my head as we did this. First of all, uh, when it comes to the school board, I personally agree that nobody should be attacking anybody period. As simple as that they shouldn't, but the school board is elected. And what we don't need is a school board that goes, okay, we're going to give the parents five minutes and it's all you get. And if you say what you say, we still made our minds up because that's been happening a lot. And that's what really deters parents. Because as, as a profession in the military, one of the things that Ishmael and I can probably agree on is whenever you had a soldier come in to on open door policy to talk to you, they wanted to feel that they were at least being heard and you were calculating it and considering it. And and making a determination after you hear all the facts and the school board needs to present that persona that there. okay. Now there are many school boards that are doing that, but they are elected and nobody should ever be this elected official should ever be threatened or face harm, but elected officials should be held to the standard of the voters period. Uh, and that's just my personal opinion regarding the DOJ. You know, when you start talking about the, the DOJ and federal federal crimes and things of that nature, you start thinking about terrorism and you start t- thinking about things that cross state lines, you know, and none of this does that. And I think each state has the capability to handle this. It's just they need to handle it. Now, we've gone through a couple of years where hey, we don't want the police to this. We don't want the police to this. We just need the police to do the damn job. And it's not a knock on the police because I got a lot of people that's in the in the law enforcement business. But I think when we address the school boards as parents and, and coach, you know, I have a, I have a lot of people in my family that are educators and uh, this is not necessarily attacking the educator itself. It is, it is attacking the direction of the school board or the difference, having differences with that. I think that it's every parent's right to have a say in what their education is. And I think the school board is bound to listen to that. Now, whether they take all that advice and go, okay, maybe that's a little in left field, maybe this is not, that's neither here nor there, but they need to at least give that they are listening to that. That is my personal opinion. I will say, I agree with really a lot of what everybody has said. There's some variances in here. I don't think that it's a teacher's job and I would tell that to my mom in a heartbeat. I would tell that to my sister-in-law and I would tell it to the man I respect the most in this world who's gone gone, is my grandfather. I don't think it's their job is to develop my child in a political sense or religious sense or sexual sense or any of those things. I th- it's their job to educate them in their field. You know, whatever the field is, if it's a science teacher, in science. If it's history, in history. If it's this, it's that. If it's math, it's math. It's their job to educate them in the field that's approved by the state board. That's it. But what a lot of people are having a problem is what's not, is either, with, when they go to the board, the school boards of what I've seen is either the state has not approved it or have given leniency to allow the local school boards to change things and have different agendas, different curriculum. They say that's not agendas, it's different curriculums. And that's what they're voicing the problem with. And I think they have a right to do that. They just don't have a right to go. Hey, John Brent, you're on the school board. I'll meet your butt outside afterward, kick your butt and I ain't going to vote for you again. And I know where you live. They, they don't have a right to do that at all. You know, and that's just exactly. my opinion on it. And I'm trying to make sure I got all my notes that I wrote on here. I, I think the biggest thing is parents don't want to feel like they're on deaf ears. Now, do we have a rational? We have a rational on every side. We all know that, you know, and they just need to be policed up. And sometimes that's a a, a superintendent simply going in. I love you, but you're better than this. Calm down a little bit. And sometimes it's, OK, John, I need you to get the police over here and take care of it. You know, some of some of it takes that, you know, so I don't know. That's my opinion. I, I do think though, that every parent should be hurt if their kids go into the school district. That's just me.
1: Sure. And and one of the things that we, you brought up a uh, vet is, you know, if you're looking at why is the federal government involved in this at all? I mean, this is a state issue. And, you know, just as, you know, someone that's a history and government teacher, I mean, the 10th amendment pretty much states that if there's not powers given to the United States by the constitution, that is reserved to the states respectively or by the people of that state. So why is the federal government even getting involved in a local school board issue is just now, now Alexander used the evolution. This is not a good evolution. This is not a good evolution I've seen in the last eight or 10 years where everybody wants to go to the federal government when the state, their state or local government doesn't do something they don't like. Doesn't mean that they're breaking some federal law or even some state statute It's that they don't like it. So they ask federal protection. So for the Department of Justice to get involved in the state issue, actually a local issue, is really not what the founders wanted when they created federalism. Federalism means we're going to keep these two separate unless there's a major issue. So I don't understand why the Department of Justice vets even involved in this. I think they're overstepping their bounds. But I do think this is the new norm is let's just beg the federal government for help when there's something the state or local government does that we don't like.
0: I don't dispute that. It. that that thought and don't get me wrong. If, if there's an organized group that comes in and sits there and talks about, you know, Hey, we're going to terrorize this here. I I got that part there, but I I honestly don't see that there's going to be a similarity of terrorism in there. And we, and we tried to, I I saw on some news that they tried to, they tried to uh, associate terrorism with somebody wanting to kick somebody else's ass. And I mean, you We've gone a long way from it, you know, and that's not right because that's not what it is. We, the, that whole top row is fault terrorism and they understand what real terrorism is about, you know? And uh now I'm down with, if somebody does something wrong, punish them. That's, that's why we had the law, punish them. Well, I, don't get no grace, just punish them.
1: So yeah. Whatever happened to call a local police department and having a local police department deal with the physical altercation or deal with a threat as a, as a local terroristic threat, if you want to call it, but to get the federal government involved, it's almost like you're taking away the sting of what real terrorism is. Because well, real terrorism is what you guys are fighting, not what's going on down here when the dude says he's gonna kick somebody's ass.
0: Well, you and I both know that it where we came from that you didn't want the sheriff to pick you up and have to go see Judge Hawkins or, or Judge So and so.
1: You didn't Ruth want that. Morris. nobody wanna go yeah. see Ruth Moore.
0: No, nobody wanted to see that because. Your whole family knew about it. You was embarrassed and they were not going to be nice to you. I mean, it, and I, I don't mean that like, hey, we're going to put you in jail. They're, they're going to be rude to you. And I got respect for both of those big time. And the sheriff short of grabbing you by the air, whooping your butt in public and, and then put you in jail and call you a whole bunch of names that now you get in trouble for. But, you know. It was not fun. You didn't want none of that.
1: And well, the current sheriff the same way, you know. Well, before we before we go into the next topic, I really want to since there's been so much conversation since Alexander and Ishmael and even Rebecca spoke. If any one of you guys want to kick back in here after we have have you heard something that you would like to reiterate or even add something to please do. Because this is a topic that I think that I love to hear the diversity of what people's thoughts are in this.
4: Yeah, if you don't mind. Um um, John, I, I, I agree with you uh, 100%. Um, um, and, and I did preface by saying that I was going to oversimplify. Um, but I think, I think if, I think I even said, said so earlier that in the case where local, uh, uh, law enforcement doesn't get involved and doesn't do the right thing, um, I said, whatever it takes, because um, again, I wouldn't like to see uh, my daughter be attacked because she's teaching whatever the curriculum is. Um, so in, in that case, but but you're absolutely right. It should not it should never have to escalate to that level. Um, so I, I'm very curious as to what what has spurred uh, in my reading. I didn't I didn't find anything about what really spurred on this, this, this D- DOJ wanting to get involved. Is it not happening at the local, local uh, uh, police departments, uh, sheriff's departments? Um, I'm, I'm really curious at this point.
1: I think the vet probably has more information on that than me. Cause I don't know what the foundational spur, the, the, you know, thing that happened. I think the vet probably does. And then let Alexander, you know, talk a little bit after that. Cause I think I can see you wanting to talk to.
0: I will let, uh, I, I don't have a lot on that Ishmael, to be honest. Uh, what I saw was the highlighted one was in Virginia itself where Alexander's from. So maybe he knows a little bit more on that, but, Absolutely. uh, Merrick, but Merrick Garland was, uh, you know, he, he had came out and said we'd use the DOJ, you know, maybe we need to start pushing for terrorism things. And I'm like, man, that's not what he talked about a few months ago. And that's not what the president talked about either, you know, as being a hand in, involved in that. And there's a, there's a thought process I have always is, is that, is a more rank I got in the military is the people closer to the ground knew more about it than, than the people that were higher away. It, although you and I would like to think that we knew better, we, we knew better in the army sense, but what was really going on the ground was the people that was close to ground knew that way better than we ever did. And uh, so I'm sorry I don't have an answer on that, pure answer for it. So, But I'm going to throw it over to Alexander, like the coach said, and then we're going to get it to Rebecca if she's got anything to end up on that before we go to the next topic. Go ahead, Alexander.
3: I, uh, one one thing that I noticed uh, the it's been happening a lot lately in this past couple of years is the misuse of certain words. Like, for example, they're trying to say um, – you know, this is an act of terrorism or something like that. It's not, you know. Yes, you know, by definition, you know, uh, promoting, you know, terror, fear, yada, yada, yada. But there's there's, uh, the overall meaning of the word doesn't fit that criteria. You know, yes, it's a, they might be doing a criminal act, you know, which is way different than the act of terrorism. You know, because they're just threatening somebody. It shouldn't ha- it, Should that happen? No. You know, because obviously we, we need to be more civilized, but it's not active terrorism. They're not trying to blow up the building, you know, just because, you know, they don't want to wear a mask or because, you know, that that's some of the stuff that I've seen the most. It, it, obviously, we talk about uh, teaching all this stuff about racism in the curriculum. But one of the also big topics is about the wear of masks, which I really don't know why that's such a big argument. Uh, it's not. But, you know, that is one, like I said, that's the one thing that I've seen that has been happening a lot of, in the past couple of years, the misuse of certain words. And it gets to a point that it's so overused that it no longer means what it was supposed initially intended to mean and then every time you know people hear the word terrorism they're like okay it's just another case you know of overemphasizing it whatever the case might be
0: rebecca you got anything to add to this because we, we we covered a lot i know you dropped out but have you got anything to add on this here
2: um, no, just to kind of say what he says, I think that people will use whatever word to fit their narrative and to give justification to any action that they feel they have the right to do um, and use a play on words for what, it, like he said, uh, like act of terrorism that fits in the agenda for bringing the DOJ into situations. Because if you just say there's bullies or harassment, like um, the coach said, why can't you call your locals in? for that. No, it's an act of terrorism. That fits my agenda of wanting to bring bigger resources in. All right.
0: So real quick, I got to throw a little quick. The last thing Are I to say coach? before we
1: go to the next topic is, okay. is you're right. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Go ahead.
0: So before we start next topic, got to throw out here real quick. Hey, got a couple of things here. First of all, Got a good we got a good sponsor here, Metro Geek, which is in Granbury, Texas. We ask if you're in the Granbury, Texas area, anything around computers, hit them up. They'll solve your problems by far. And uh we'll be throwing that out here for a couple of months. And the second thing, I don't have a picture for them yet. I'm about to get that here soon. But stop by our shop at thecoachindevet.com and get some of our items because this is what helped pays for our stuff here. So throw it out there and now it's time to move to the real topics. So the next topic, excuse me. Which is uh, under the president Trump, there was a big push to rename military bases, and uh, the Senate approved it, and it went into the uh, National Defense Authorization Act. And he refused to sign it, and then he did sign it. So we got three years, from my understanding. And I could be wrong with that, and if I'm wrong, I'm not afraid to admit it. But from my understanding, to 2023 to rename 10 military bases, predominantly the Army, which consists of Fort A.P. Hill uh camp Beauregard, fort benning georgia fort bragg north carolina fort gordon georgia fort hood texas fort lee virginia fort pickett fort polk louisiana and fort rucker and all named after confederate generals and so i just want to start off and i'm going to start off with ishmael on this here uh, being a retired sergeant major and ask what are your thoughts on this here and then we'll i'll go from ishmael to rebecca to alexander and to the coach um, uh,
4: if you, if you all can, can humor me, um, I would like to touch upon a little bit more background if, if that's okay. Yep. Okay. Um, and I, I'm also going to refer to some notes that I, I prepared, you know, cause organizing my thoughts at this age has become a challenge. So, um, um, as we may or may not know, um, we have an eight, eight member commission that was established again by the national defense authorization act. Um, um, and many will argue that it, it was because as, as a result of racial tensions that brought about a deep look or a deep dive of perceived or real systemic racism in America. Um, these members um, uh, are expected to approach uh, the task with a critical eye uh, towards the past and. They need. They are uh, charged with emphasizing on racial and ethnic diversity. Um, the list of assets that that they've they're talking about is not only the bases, but it's also um, things in the in the hundreds uh, to include uh, bases, uh, installations. We're talking about uh, uh, facilities, aircrafts, ship. Plane, etc., weapon systems, um,
0: probably, probably streets as well, like yeah, in Fort Bragg,
4: after streets,
0: yeah. Long Street, and all that.
4: Absolutely. Um, uh, as as Ian uh, pointed out, they're gonna the, the commission will will start by focusing on those those ten military bases, um, and uh, I I think Ian, I don't want to go against you. But at least in my reading, it did say completed by by 2024 instead of 2023. So I, I'm not sure um, which one it is. Um, but we, we do know it's 2023, either 2023 or 2020 early to 2024. So with that being said, and and in order to approach this one, which was very difficult for me, um, I, I find that I have to to separate me as a a soldier or a former soldier, and me as a citizen and a lover of history separately. Um, And and I'll explain them both. And and by the way, I hope that the term history lover does not infer expertise in the matter at all, because certainly not. Uh, But as a soldier and, and having been stationed at, trained at, soldiered at and visited uh, some of these bases, I would say that the, the bases should not be renamed. Um, and I, I say that with, with a great amount of bias and, and selfishness. Uh, just by the nature of the history that, that was made on these bases throughout my career, which include uh, Desert Storm, Operation Iraqi Freedom, and Operation Enduring Freedom, you know, I, I feel that I took part in history. Um, my soldiers took part in history. My peers, Ian, took part in that history uh, made on these bases. And and I feel that um, erasing their names, uh, I fear that that the legacy that we all left behind, I fear that it'd be lost and forgotten along with the names of these bases. Um, which would mean, in effect, um, we were we we did, uh, and then we didn't. Uh, if 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 it makes sense, um, It's almost like that thirty almost thirty two year career uh, never happened. That that's what I'm afraid of, um, and I fear that that uh, you know. The eagerness to comply with with social correctness or whatever we want to call it will cause what i refer to as as oversteering and and i think we all understand what oversteering can potentially cause here and that's a, a a historical wreck that's just me again um just afraid just afraid of of you know alexander rebecca y- you put in your time uh we heard the story earlier about how rebecca you know left and came back and she said I, I you know i can't leave the guys uh you know i can't leave them i i have to be with with my guys and you know i it just is these are stories that that touch my heart and 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 it, it scares me quite frankly now um as a citizen or a lover of history that's where i'm deeply conflicted uh and quite frankly i'm on the fence and and any one of of you or your viewership uh, can easily sway me one way or the other, uh, and I'll explain. As a lover of history, I'll, I argue that the basis should not be renamed uh, based on one core belief and one core belief only, and that is as the Spanish philosopher, and I, uh, I'm going to check his name out here in a second, George Santayana is credited with saying, and I quote, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it while British statesman Winston Churchill wrote, those that fail to learn from history are doom- doomed to repeat it. Uh, and I believe that to my core. Uh, I believe we should not take down, do away with, change, bury, etc. cetera, uh, select vestiges of, of, of history based on the flavor of the month. Uh, I think there's much to be learned from historic characters and learning them and whatever infamous actions led to them to be bestowed those honors back then so that we do not allow for history to repeat itself. And it, that reminds me of, of something I saw, uh, and I'm sure Ian has seen multiple times. It, it reminds me a little bit of being in Germany and and seeing buildings with the outline of the swastika uh, where the swastikas were removed, uh, because uh, my understanding, as I understood, it, is um, the, the Germans were embarrassed of that history of uh, you know that they had and they want to get rid of it but you know uh, I, I i think there was there's something to be said you know let's learn not bury it let's learn um let's talk about it to uh, to our you know to the our future our children our grandchildren so it doesn't happen so yeah. in that sense um i say don't rename them but then and that's where uh uh my My being on the fence comes in. In my in my um, research, I saw a quote such as the following. The Confederates and I quote, the Confederates killed more U.S. Army soldiers than anybody else in our history. And this was this was a quote from Ty Sejio, who was a former soldier and the head of the West Point History Department. In his book, Robert E. Lee and Me, a Southerner's Reckoning with the Myth of the Lost Cause. And it shows how, how in some bases adopted the names during the 20th century eras of racial terror, and as white Southerners embraced the revisionist history about the Civil War. Saidel um, uh, also told Axios in an interview uh, that treason is treason, and he sees no difference between the 19th century figures. And the American Taliban, uh, John Walker Lind. for those of you that remember who John Walker Lind is, um, so these these arguments, uh, you know, may sway me sway me to say, yeah, you know, let's. They're not deserving of 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 having their names on such a a a position of honor, uh, so to speak, for these bases. Um, the military, for a long time, has been one of the the, the branches of, of of our federal government that are, is the most trusted, uh, the most beloved, um, and and so there's something to be said about that too. So, um, history shows that the men who uh, or whom some some of these bases are are named um, held white supremacist views and had poor military track records, which boggles my mind after I researched it for, for today, um, how men who fought to preserve the institution of slavery and betrayed our country to defend white supremacy um, got honored uh, by our military. Um, and I'll give you an example, Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg in North Carolina, uh, home of the 82nd Airborne, uh, named after Confederate General Braxton Bragg. Um, he, he owned and enslaved labor uh, farm in Louisiana and he told uh, Irish uh, journalists and let me look for his name here in a second if you, you, you bear with me William Howard Russell he told William Howard Russell and I quote that the only mode of making the black race work was to hold them in conditions of involuntary servitude um, the West Point graduate lost most of his battles as a confederate general and yet Uh, one of our most prestigious posts, um, bear his name. Um, could that sway me, uh, to say, yeah, we, we probably need to change the name. Yeah, I I would say so. And the last one that I'll, that I'll, that I'll just touch upon is Fort Benning in Georgia, another prestigious base home of the airborne and the, and now home of the armor, the infantry, um, uh, is named after Brigadier General Henry L. Benning, and he was a slave owner who warned that if slavery ended, and and I quote, the nation would see black governors, black legislatures, black jurors, black everything. The right, the white race, will be completely exterminated, and the land will be left to the possession of the blacks, and then it will go back to a wilderness and become another Africa. And that's what he was quoted as saying. So um those points i find to be valid points that these 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 generals never should have deserved it, it was just about that time in history um they never should have deserved their names being on there um but um seeing what i saw and researching what i saw um pro- probably merits the changing cuz they are not deserving um And based on to me, once I read that based on leadership, by example, um, the armed forces core values, uh, the the travesties of justice at, at that point in history. Plus, we have to remember that the armed forces have been for many years at the forefront of social experimentation and change. And if the giant national defense machine embraces change, um, more than likely the general populace will, if his, if historic presidents, you know, uh, stands, stands true. Um, so, so um, uh, that's, that's all I wanted to say.
0: Ishmael, I, I like your comments. I got to throw it to Rebecca and let her get in here. Go ahead, Rebecca.
2: Yes. Thank you. I could not agree with you more on, um, Everything that you said, um, a couple things that came to my mind is that there are a couple sides of me that agree, you know, the military side, like, oh, you know, Fort Hood, that's what, you know, I've been there. That's how can you change it? Um, There's so much history there and you want to keep the integrity as, you know, being in the army, you know, we're big on history, we're big on tradition and that's our roots. Uh, Don't change it. Um, But I was having a conversation with with my husband and one of our managers is uh, my husband's on the side of, you know, keep the integrity of it. And um, our manager was saying, no, you need to change it. And so it got me to thinking like, okay, let's take, you know, the United States out of the equation. What if we were in Germany and um, we had a a, not, not even yeah Germany and we had a school named Adolf Hitler and a bunch of Jewish children were going to it. It would be completely inappropriate and i I believe that in that circumstances it 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 most definitely should be changed um and then i get to thinking well if we erase that then you know like fort bragg doing your research on it um okay why is it named fort bragg i'm interested in learning um the town here uh we have someone called joinier so i was like who's joinier so i did the research on it they they came over they developed the lands one of the the grandchildren is actually still one of the senators in the area so it's interesting names bring ba- bring up conversation and i'm pretty sure coach as you uh, as a history teacher is you appreciate that fact is that okay where does this come from it inspires you know inquisitions on what is happening so i got to thinking about my name so my name is rebecca abad chavaria and in the Puerto Rican culture, there's two names. There's the mother's name and the father's name. And um, the mother's name goes in the back. So Chavaria is my, 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 my father's name. And when my children get married, my name will fall off and their spouse's name will go on there. So I got to thinking, why not honor both? If we want to change, let's say Fort Bragg slash whoever his, his counterpart was. So you're forced to research both. Like for a yin, there's a yang. Why can't we keep that and, you know, incorporate both? Say yes. There was this guy named Fort Bragg. I'm I I'm sorry. I did not do the research on Fort Bragg. I'm just speaking, you know. But there was this other person who fought against them, or there was this private who who defended his line, and you know he was taken. So open up that other conversation, you know, Bragg slash Smith, you know, Fort Bragg Smith or something like that, like combine it. So we're forced to question and understand and learn more history about, you know, the bad guys and whoever sense that is. One of the things also, like when it comes to um, like mass murderers or terrorists, the media focuses so much on the bad guy. Like what, what about the victims? you know, this person had a troubled past, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, if if my family was affected, I wouldn't give a crap what his problem was. So I feel like take the same approach, you know. Um, not necessarily that the people whose names we want to replace have uh a, a badge of honor or courage, but they did make a mark in history so much that something was named after them. And
1: Correct.
2: by respecting history, let's give the counterside of that history.
1: Interesting perspective. I like that.
0: So, Alexander, go ahead. What do you got on this?
3: Um, in my case, you know, I am the type of person. I'm not attached to stuff. So, if the basis were to change names, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, history is not going to be erased. Actually, it's just going to be added to. You know, we got organizations like the Quartermaster Museum, Transportation Museum, and stuff like that where they they're going to continue to keep the history. They're going to continue to teach the history. Like for example, you am I'm I'm here in Fort Lee, which is one of the bases named, you know, uh for the change. Uh Right now, if you go to the museums, they'll teach you the entire history of Fort Lee, where back in the day it was called Camp Lee, you know, and evolved into what is now Fort Lee. And now it's... it's I think at, at the end of the day, Fort Lee needed to be a, a name change anyway because now it's no longer just an army base, it's a joint base. But um, in my case, uh, like, uh, is my elbow is my, saying towards the end, uh, some of the bases, uh, uh, the, some of the names that have been given to this basis is based on people who, in reality, should not be deserving of it. Yes, they have an a, uh, an important piece in history, but was it a good important piece or a bad important piece? You know, you know that like he mentioned Hitler. Hitler was, was a a big name in Germany, but it wasn't towards the good of Germany. It was towards the bad of Germany. So do we want to uh, continue to uh, relieve? I, I don't I don't think I would say relieve, but like continue to honor, you know, people who did not do the right thing for America, you know? And and that is my thing. Um, I know my, I was saying something about, and he will feel bad you know they will change because um of the history that we as soldiers made on those bases and everything and at the end of the day I don't think it's gonna be loose you know we're gonna we're not gonna lose you know our legacies you know with the name uh, the name change of each base because at the end of the day the base is not what made us do what we did. You know is' the people who are within the base that still remember our names remember what we did for them and they will continue to carry the legacy regardless of the name you know like they'll be like hey yeah I remember uh, Samuel Griffin you know uh, back in, in the day when it was called this you know we were together but the the story is still there it's just a different uh, different name for the for the location.
0: so coach i'm going to ask you what are your thoughts on this here real quick
1: well when when i first started hearing about this the first thing i'm thinking of is here we go again with the cancel culture we're just going to cancel something because today it's looked at different than it was before but as a historian it's always been amazing to me when i look back and go why in the world are we ever memorializing people like robert e lee and and, and these people because if you think about it like jefferson davis high school or something like that i mean that's unbelievable because these people actually are traitors. They left our country and started a whole new country to fight for their rights to keep slavery and and state's rights. I mean, there was a two biggest thing, of course, the the number one was slavery. So why are we honoring and how did that happen? Well, it happened because in the South, the South tried to keep that going, even though, Hey, we lost, we we want to memorialize these people that fought for our cause. I, I don't agree with that. I think, I don't think I'd have said this five years ago, but I think the name change is something that's going to happen. I think it needs to happen. And one of the things that I do look at this is maybe the next 10 or 15, 20 years as we're still alive, we'll still remember Fort Bragg and Fort Benning and Fort Hood as being, oh, that also known as, remember when it was previously known as this. But two and three generations from now, they won't remember Fort Bragg, Fort Hood, and Fort Benning. And it's not a bad thing. They'll remember those good names like Rebecca was talking about. Maybe it's someone like Fort Ulysses S. Grant or Fort Abraham Lincoln. I'm just throwing those names out there that were the good things of that time period. But I still don't understand how we can even focus on Robert E. Lee. Yeah, he's a great general. He he was he could beat anybody. He was whatever. But he fought for the, the side that was pro-slavery. And I don't think in 2021 that should be something that we're, we we should do. I don't know how we did it in 1921. To be honest with you, how can we ever take the losing side of a cause of a traitorous type um, mentality and go, let's name a base after it or a street or a high school after it? Uh, we just changed here in, in Tyler, Texas, that something had been around for 50 years called Robbery Lee High School it has a lot of history. At one time, it was called the Robbery Lee Rebels. I mean, believe that or not. And then 20 years ago, it was changed to Robbie Lee Red Raiders. They just changed that to Tyler Legacy. Now, right now, people are having a problem with it that went to Robbie Lee, but those people are going to die out someday. And these new generation of kids that are coming in the future are going to be going to Tyler Legacy, which is a positive. Who doesn't want to leave a legacy? And you don't want to be going to a legacy high school that gives legacy to someone, Robbie Lee, that fought for the wrong side. So, man, I'm telling you what, the evolution, as Alexander talked about, I've evolved so much in the last few years. Some of my people are going to jump on my Facebook and call me a trader for doing it. But you know what? Sometimes right is right and wrong is wrong. And you know what? Come at the coach. I'm six foot four. I'm okay.
0: So coach, I got a couple of comments on this here. And, uh, and first of all, I got to thank Tom Cruff who came up with this topic. Cause I think it's a great topic. And, uh, and I apologize to the people on here because I should have asked this also. What do you think it should be changed to? We're not going to have enough time for that. I'm going to have to get some comments in real quick.
1: Why so don't first we of all, name to some of the normal soldiers that died in action.
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a comment on this here is I talked with Tom Krupp on this and I said, what do you name, name them? If we don't name them what they already named. And I said, do we name them medal honor recipients? And he goes, well, if we do that, we're going to find out 20 years from now that the Medal Honor recipient by the age of 26 was still a virgin, and that's going to be socially unacceptable in the United States of America, so we're going to have to change it again. So he came up with a proposal is we name them Log Base Alpha or Camp Alpha, Fort Bravo, Fort Charlie, like that, so it just eliminates all that. So we don't do this shit again in 20 more years when we find something else that pisses everybody off that, you know, uh, Private Ross. Medal of Honor recipient at Fort Riley, Kansas, was not a dog lover. And that's that's taboo in America now, you know, because that's, we will evolve and there's be something else that'll piss us off later. Some things I will say, and, and I like that idea. Now, I will tell you, I was one that was stern on just, just leave well enough alone. We've done it for so long. I've heard so many people say, you will never change Fort Bragg from being the center of the universe. It's still the center of the universe the nickname. You'll never change Fort Hood. Today, I walked by a guy that had a 101st, which is not Fort Campbell. Was not named after Confederate soldier. And he had the 101st Screaming Eagle on. I said, Air Assault. And he was a Vietnam vet. And he said, boy, don't you ever call me Air Assault. We were airborne. I'm like, well, it ain't airborne no more. It's Air Assault. I hate to break the news to you, man. But he was fiery about that today. So people get fiery about that that's been there. And I understand that. But I agree with Alexander. There has to be involvement and change. We just don't need to change at every whim. And I think if we do this, we need to do it as a permanent thing. And I agree with Tom Cru. Maybe it should be Fort Alpha, Fort Bravo, maybe Fort Airborne, maybe Fort Armor, maybe Fort, you know, like infantry or something like that where it can be non-disputed and it can't get into the, uh, to the cancel culture. Me too, you know, type, not me too. That's not the right word. I can't think of the word, but anyway, you know, where we're, we're worried about everybody's feelings. Like in Germany, the word Jägerschnitzel, it means hunter's steak. They are actually going after the word hunter. I'm like, how the hell would you go after the word hunter? It's a freaking Jägerschnitzel, and it's great. Shut up and appreciate it, you know? So, but I'll also say what Ishmael talked about. And Rebecca, I love your idea. I never thought of it that way, but I, I, I do kind of agree with Tom. But Ishmael, on your th- thoughts, we walked around Germany the barracks right next to mine still had a swastika, but you could barely see it. It's been stone washed off. You could see it, or you could see the old German Kevlar on there. You could see it, but it'd been washed off. But I will also say in regards to like Hitler, they left all the concentration camps up for all to see. So there's a fine line. And then the last thing I really want to say, I know we got some comments and I'm hoping I'm not missing them, but the last line I'd really like to see, I mean, talk about, and I talked to Ishmael earlier about it. There's a book called The Bloodlands by Timothy B. Snyder. And he talked about one thing right here, how Stalin could not acknowledge the Jewish plight more than he could acknowledge the Russian plight. And he raced history and rewrote it in his country to prove that the Russians faced a greater challenge than the Jewish ever did. So what I will say is we do this, but we have to tread lightly and, Alexander, you say they teach the history at Fort Lee. But one of the things that's also been discussed in line with this is taking the history out of the academy and everything else about Robert E. Lee. Don't ever take that out. You need to talk about Robert E. Lee. You need to talk about what he did. and Because I hate to break the news there, right? He did bring some great tactics that we still use today. We cannot take that out, and we cannot fall victim of shit like that. And that's just my opinion. So, we are like a minute over, but we, yes. we we can be all right. So, I'm going to give about 30 seconds to everybody, starting with Alexander. Do you got anything?
3: Uh, you caught me uh, off guard on this one. <laughs> uh, I know it, it, I had a great time. You know, I enjoyed the conversation, you know, sharing the top, you know, the different points of view from each each one of the persons, you know, at the end of the day this shows you know what america should be now you know regardless of what point of view we have if it doesn't agree with the next person you know we don't have to like you know hate the person you know we just have a civilized you know conversation and see what the common grounds are well i'll say this
0: stop by woodpeckerscraft.com and check out what alexander has to offer might be something you need for Christmas. He's willing to get it to you. I'm quite sure. So check it out, please. And so I'm gonna to to throw it to Ishmael. I'm gonna throw it to Go ahead, Ishmael.
4: I would just like to say that I, I hope your your viewership got something out of it. I hope it sparks debate. Uh, I hope it it uh expands, you know, everybody's uh view. Um and uh, and get involved because my understanding is that they uh, they do have a website uh, that uh, ex- that that asks for uh things like Rebecca you know things like what Rebecca said I Alexander said so they want to know people's opinions um so just uh, look it up you can google it and and you know let's 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 put these things on the table
2: absolutely. Uh-
0: awesome go ahead rebecca
2: i think that uh my vote is uh let's name one ian griffin (laughs) damn the basis that (laughs) um no thank you so much for for having me um i've known i've known uh i always call him first out he's not first out anymore in my head he he will always be but since i was you know 20 years old so uh it's just been amazing and if you if you anybody if your viewer people um, don't like history. You, you got to learn it. Pick up a book and listen to a podcast. It's so amazing. Um, teach it to your kids. My kids are total nerds. Like me. We listen to history podcasts all the time. Um, it's great. And tune into shows like this because it, it's very diverse.
0: Awesome. So coach, I'm going to say this before I throw it to you is my, my opinion this evolved because of the three people above us and I'll be honest with you on that because I was stuck on the other side, but I am open to suggestion. I'm not solid stuck in concrete. It might be liquid concrete, but it hadn't formed yet. I can tell you that. And I'm always willing to listen to like, okay, that makes sense to me. You know, and that I think that's the beauty of why we did this podcast. While we've done them is maybe we can, people can learn and go, well, maybe I shouldn't think exactly that way, you know? So I'm throw it to you, coach.
1: Well, man, you know, just recently I wrote an article and, and spoke in Pittsburgh and I said, you know, we came from the greatest little town in the greatest country in the world. And the greatest country in the world is United States of America. But the reason we're the greatest country in the world is not because we just have one sect of people. We have a diverse body of people that are Hispanic, that are African-American, that are white, that are Italian, Asians, whatever you want to say. And we put them all together. But when you do that, you have to understand that we we don't have to try to please everyone, but you you should at least listen to everyone. And what we're doing now in this 21st century, and I still have some problems with it sometimes, but I'm evolving is we have to listen to everyone. And Alexander said it, put people together, have these good debates like this. I evolved from five years ago, but also evolved from 30 minutes ago. And by listening to you great Americans, it got me to thinking a different way where I'm thinking, you know, how in the hell can we, Memorize someone like that. And I think just because the way I grew up, always hearing the name Robbie Lee, I didn't really know what Robbie Lee was. And then when you actually research it and do your own reading, and you realize what he's, yes, he's a great military guy, there's no doubt about it. But what did he stand for? When we evolve as a country, more and more people are here besides just the ones that started it, you have to think about what would you think if you were someone else Let's say an African American and Robbie Lee was the high school you went to. And I've never thought that way before until recently. And I think we need to do more of it.
0: I agree, coach. So we have busted our time limit. So I'm going to say from the coach to the
1: vets and to the vets.
0: Yeah, to all the vets, stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. <laughs>